going on, everybody? Yeah, what a great introduction by me. Welcome to the NFL Ownership Show. I'm Eric Lindquist. I'm going to be hosting the show here that is presented by Prize Picks. Thank you so much to them for their sponsorship. Excited to be talking about them here today. But as you will notice, there's no lofty here today. Daycares are crazy and having kids is crazy and all of those things. We wish them all the best. We missed that guy today big time. But it is going to be a two-man booth. It is going to be myself hosting. It is going to be Matt Gajeski, college basketball extraordinaire over there. Done with his first day over there. Projections still free on the site. I don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of him. I've been watching this guy do the college football or the college uh, basketball streets for years. Another really nice start to the season for you, Matt. How you doing over there, my dude? I'm doing great. A little bit sleepless the last couple of days <laughs> with college football, college basketball. This is by far the toughest time of year for me where all three of my major sports overlap. But it's also the most fun time of the year. And like you mentioned, there's edges across all avenues still to this day. Even in week 10 of the NFL, I think there's a lot of things we can still exploit. I ran basically your optimal projection. I basically tried to kind of tweak some small things in cash. It was easy. It's as simple as one, two, three with this guy right now. There's not a lot of information in the college basketball streets. And this guy kind of, uh, I mean, who is the Ohio State team that you basically were like, please go bet this team on the money line last year? Who was it? Oral Roberts. From that moment on, you have been my best friend and you didn't even know it. So Oral Roberts... That was some money in the bag. I, I tell you what, there's not many people who go out and say that a 15 seed is going to be a two seed, but you're one of those people. That was a wild tournament. That was a fun one. It was, it was, that was a crazy game overall. Yeah, it was. But I appreciate you. I probably owe you some Chipotle at some point in time. By the way, Lofty still owes me Chipotle uh, on our Rashad Bateman bet. Uh, but, you know, is what it is. Yes, Tyler Zander letting us know in the chat. You want a, 15, a plus 1500 parlay off of that, by the way? Uh, that's helpful. You know what's also helpful? Hitting the uh, hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe button, hitting that notification bell so you know when this and all the other content here at Awesome is going live. It's week 10 NFL, and I'm going to just throw this out there ahead of time. I'm probably going to take my first NFL week off in five years. It's been five years that I've been grinding the NFL DFS streets, and I'm getting married Saturday. I think most people probably know that here at this point in time, but uh, I'm going to be taking this week off. So I, if I say things like, oh, I, I'm going to be doing this, you can, it's okay to correct me and say, well, no, you're not because you're not actually playing. Uh, if I play like a Millie lineup or something, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, hungover is all hell. You know, maybe that's something that I can do. But uh, Matt Gajewski, what are you looking forward to most about week 10 looking at some of these games? What's your early onset before we get into the running back position like we always do on this show? I will certainly be playing. And I have a feeling you're going to end up playing more, more than you say you are. You're going to wake up Sunday morning, have a little bit of that FOMO and get in a couple of lineups at least. I have, I have faith in you. The thing I'm looking forward to most is hopefully a bounce back from these elite offenses. Buffalo is in a nice setup spot here. They're implied for 30 points. Green Bay hopefully should look a lot better. Assuming Aaron Rodgers gets the all clear, I think most of us are expecting him to. And then overall, just rebounding from a week that didn't feature a lot of scoring. So that's what I'm most excited for, and I'm hopeful we see that. Yeah, I, I think that that would be really nice. Last week's games, that whole week last week, I was going through, uh, on Mondays, I go with uh, Adam Scherer. We go through the Millie Maker. We go through the Slant, uh, which is generally the sharpest tournament that exists on DraftKings. We go through the CSVs of those. And I got to say, there wasn't a single thing that I thought that Adam did wrong, and he got murdered. And it was that kind of a week, I think, for a lot of people where you could have made some really good decisions. And if you didn't land on the Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, super chalk, if you didn't land on Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, you were probably in a lot of trouble and had zero chance to win any tournaments. And 
No running back really succeeded. There wasn't any real opportunity. I mean, we have freaking Corderell Patterson at the top of the running back pool uh, for um, on PFF. He's the number one ranked running back in the NFL here right now through nine weeks of the season. I don't know what to believe anymore. Everything is upside down. It's been a wild season. At, at one point, there's a lot of parity in the NFL. And at the same time, like, Arizona winning without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins, without AJ Green. I know he's not the elite AJ Green of old, but he's still a starter for that team, a focal point of the offense. There's just so many things we didn't expect in the NFL coming into this year. And that's part of what's made it such a great season and a reason why like there's exploitable edges still to this day, a lot of it with the field. And I think we'll continue to see more edges going forward. Things like the Marquise Brown chalk hitting at elevated ownership and you getting there in overtime. Those are things we can use moving forward and hopefully take back some of the money. If you were a person that did not roster him, faded him, maybe we can make that back in future weeks. Man, chat's already so lively this morning. We got Heaney. Dude, have one lineup. It's like, okay, maybe maybe I'll put in one, but the way I look at it, you know, not that I don't have to worry about achievements or anything. There's no way I'm going to reach Onyx on DK this year. So I'm pretty happy with my status. I, I think I, now that it's not monthly, now that I don't have to worry about making sure I hit my certain rewards things, I can kind of just coast and maybe not have to worry about that uh, interesting DK change up to the year long rewards. But uh, I digress. I, I really don't know what to think about it. We got other people throwing it in there. Can we get a bet on whether I show up and chat? on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's probably like plus 120. I think that, you know, <laughs> what? It's almost 50-50. Yeah, it's almost 50-50, <laughs> but it's a little bit on the other side because what I can do is I could show up as long as I'm up before 10, I'm probably going to log on, see what everybody's oh doing, you know, talk shit to the host, whoever's hosting on Sunday instead of me. I didn't even see who's going to be. Tyler, let me know who it's going to be just because I want to know who I'm going to be trash talking and letting them know your takes are trash. You probably can't, you need me on that show. A little bit of that. Um, but also, I guess we got to do this. We're already nine minutes in here. We'll get to the running back, but Odell Beckham Jr., you and I, see differently when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr., but he's gone. First of all, where do you think he ends up? And second of all, will he be productive? Um, Green Bay? No. Those are my two answers. Wow. Did you change your tune on Odell Beckham? Are you done defending this guy? No, it was, it was never a I love Odell Beckham thing. It was always like a projection versus ownership type thing, factoring in his upside. And I think one thing we do know, at least from a larger sample, most of the time when receivers are changing teams, even in the off season, it takes a little bit of time for them to get going. DeAndre Hopkins kind of being the exception to this when he changed teams to Arizona. But now you're talking about a mid-season change. Like Odell Beckham's going to have to learn an offense on the fly. I think certain situations are better than others. I think Green Bay is probably the best in terms of chance of, you know, the Green Bay likely wins their division. And then maybe they have an outside chance at the Super Bowl. I don't think so, but they're a team that's competing at least. And there's opportunity there. He'll be battling Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Randall Cobb, rather than go to a team like Kansas City, which is pretty crowded. New Orleans just has bad quarterback play and they haven't shown a willingness to throw the ball. He'll certainly see opportunity there, but I think Green Bay is kind of just the best of all situations. With that said, like how much does he play right out of the gate? I think it probably takes him some time. Yeah, it's not going to be immediate for him. I will say Baker Mayfield. I went to NFL Next Gen Stats the other day and thought it was pretty fascinating. He's got two of the 10 longest completions, including the longest completion by air yards, 66.4 yards. The dude has been chucking it downfield a lot more 
than what uh, Papa, uh, than Papa Beckham has been saying. That's for sure. Uh, he definitely has been happy to air it out. I thought that that was a pretty fascinating look. Go check out some of those stats. I love watching uh, some of the route trees over there. I think that it makes it a little bit more uh, simplified for me. I'm not Makajewski over there grinding tape 14 hours a day, but uh, that's what <laughs> we have him for. And, you know, he's out there. We give him an allotment. We, we basically say at Osmo that we have an allotment of tuna and four loco. We basically put it in a fridge for him. It's in his contract, and he just watches tape for 14 hours a day so which um, isn't even true it's mo- it's mainly building projections for the other two sports <laughs> i do it's it's not watching tape everybody thinks that but it's it's doing multiple sports at the same time matt i'm leaning into everybody's pre-notions i'm leaning into it a little they, bit but they'll uh, see the four loco again someday oh you God. one time said you would do it with me i remember that don't think i, I forgot I said I would do it. I can't remember what the stipulations were. I'm going to plead the fifth. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I definitely know that it was probably something that we're going to have to do come Christmas time. I'm, I'm sure because, again, this is before my days of being on these shows. And I'm looking forward to the Christmas stream, I think, this year. That, that ought to be fun. I know I'll be working holidays coming up. I'll, I'll be back on Thanksgiving, so I'll be all set for that. Uh, I'll be back from Hawaii and ready to go then. And I'm sure I'll be around for Christmas, too. Looking forward to those streams. No doubt about it. But. Let's hit that like button as we get over to the running back position. Let's start talking some football. Week 10 on the top. We've got Najee Harris going up against this Detroit Lions team. And I mean, you want to talk about first guy in in cash. Najee Harris at 7,900 with his crazy workload. And everybody just got done watching this Bears game in primetime. 56 total points. Uh, That's a little bit more than the 40 that were expected. Just throwing it out there. But uh I don't really even know what you need me to say about this guy going up against a Detroit team that is abysmal 0 and 8 here on the season, a guy who's playing 85, 90% of the snaps here for the Pittsburgh Steelers under 8k. What isn't there to like about Najee Harris this week? Honestly, you laid it out pretty well. So I, I don't have a ton to add in this situation. So we could probably just talk at length about some other backs, but you mentioned everything you like the workloads there. They're more than a touchdown favorite against a really bad Detroit run defense. Like Najee Harris just isn't going to be spelled at all in this game. And he's the engine of their offense. He's such a high target share for a running back. So when Big Ben is just throwing these checkdowns, Najee Harris is one of the primary beneficiaries. And then Detroit, they just haven't shown any way of stopping opposing rushing attacks. So no matter what the game script is, if it kind of flips and Detroit's up, Najee's active in the pass game. If Pittsburgh takes care of business like we expect them to, a lot of it's going to come through Najee just in his raw yardage rock carries on the ground he's an excellent play especially towards the top christian mccaffrey's on the top end 8400 more expensive camara 8200 against tennessee i think that's going to be a good spot for him there jonathan taylor 8100 dalvin cook 8k probably been super disappointing but this is a chargers team you can run on my thing with Najee harris is he's already our highest projected running back other than a guy we'll talk about later because holy mother of god no nick chubb is going to be a terrifying proposition and i will say um, our ownership's going to need to get re-ran based on a lot of this news. We don't know how Nick Chubb is going to break down here, but I'm assuming he's going to be out Sunday as of right now, which makes uh, a guy that we'll get to later just pop off the page way more than the 1.6% that we're uh, projecting him for. But moving our way down the list, we've got Austin Eckler going up against a Minnesota Vikings team that if I talk about, I'll probably cry on stream. So we're going to stop Ezekiel Elliott up against Atlanta with a 31 and a half total uh, implied total here for the Cowboys coming off of being just disaster chalk last week, 10 carries 51 rushing yards. You still have Pollard that exists there. That's always kind of nagging on his heels, but he's had the workload and now he's seven K 
Corderell Patterson, the guy I just got done talking about being PFF's highest grading running back on the season, which is just mind-blowing. Tony Pollard, number two, by the way, thought that that was a pretty fascinating one, too. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it will. Out of this next group that's all receiving more than 15% of ownership, where do you find yourself landing as of right now? Yeah, Corderell is still a little interesting to me because he's, he's essentially still a timeshare back with Mike Davis. Uh, like you mentioned, he's just running laps around Davis efficiency wise. And you would think that would lead to more opportunity. It just hasn't amounted to a full workload in the backfield. So I still think he's a little risky, particularly as underdogs here. However, this game does have the best total on the board. It's 54 and a half. So expect a lot of people just to target this game, which brings me to Ezekiel Elliott. Right now, he's not drawing a ton of ownership. He's top three, but it's still pretty spread amongst this group. Like you mentioned, there's about four or five, six guys maybe that are all within the same ballpark. And people might be burned by Elliott last week. I think he ran pretty hot to get the amount of points he did with Dallas going down 30 to nothing in that game. But Elliott still has a really consistent workload. He's playing above Pollard and it hasn't really been close. And there were some people making jokes that Elliott had to play like in the fourth quarter. So he didn't see extra work to Pollard and run the risk of him taking his job. But Elliott's still, Elliot's still only 7K. Like he, he's not very expensive. I think a lot of people will naturally kind of work towards the Harrison Elliott build. But we'll see how value stacks out. There's not a ton that stands out to me right now in terms of value. We'll have to wait on some of the injury news. But I do expect Elliott and Harris to be popular. But in like low-risk formats, I think I'll just eat that. You know what? I'm going to just jump to him now because I think we'll, we'll get into the ins and outs of some of these other mid-range plays that I thought were pretty intriguing today looking into this slate. But Dearness Johnson would instantly become perhaps the chalkiest play of the entire season at any position in the event that you have Nick Chubb out. They currently, if you, if you have everything hold the way that it would as of right now, they would have one running back. They would have one running back. Dearness Johnson, by the way, against Denver in that week seven performance was exceptional. 22 carries, 146 yards. I believe just about 28 DraftKings points, pretty much just getting it all done on the ground. Um, you know, a, a guy that's maybe the easiest dude to cheer for with the story of him being in Florida on the boats and, you know, working down there. And then all of a sudden he's sending out all these emails to, to like arena football teams and to like uh, to Canadian football teams and wherever he could possibly go play. And he ends up on the Browns and crushing that week. I mean, he's 4,700 on the bottom end. If there's no Nick Chubb, if there's no Kareem Hunt, I mean, you're looking at 4,700 Dearness Johnson. How would you possibly not look at him as the top play of the slate? Yeah, he, he would be from a price adjusted standpoint, even from a raw projection, it'd be really hard for him not to just be the number one. It's a running back that essentially is going to handle the Kareem Hunt and the Nick Chubb workload. And if you, you, you certainly remember this, there was a week, maybe four or five weeks ago, where we had the same kind of projection for Kareem Hunt and he ended up getting hurt in that game. It's almost identical scenario. I can't remember what Kareem Hunt's price was, but I think it was even a little more expensive than Dearness Johnson is now which just speaks to how good of a raw play he should be. And we don't have updated ownership right now because it's Wednesday. I assume he would climb to be the most owned player on the entire slate. That raises the question. Let's, let's just play a hypothetical game. Okay. Let's say he comes in at 40% ownership without, with obviously without Hunt, but without Chubb, without the other players on COVID. What do you think his efficient ownership should be? It's a great question. Luckily, we have a boom bust tool that can do a lot of that work for us, which is probably one of the greatest perks you can have here at Osmo uh, for NBA, for NFL. Uh, there's there's really no better way to be able to gauge how so, how owned somebody is. 
I will say right off the bat, 40%, I think it matters what tournament you're playing in. I think in a small field tournament, I would be inclined where he's going to be like 70, 60% kind of rostered in the event you get no chub. I might be able to, to stomach the fade a little bit more, um, which is more counterintuitive. Normally, smaller down the field goes, you're, you're happy to jam in the chalk there. But like in large field stuff, if he comes in around 35, 40%, I'm just going to be jamming as much as possible. I, I think that that would probably be the right way to go about it. Again, theoretically saying that I'm going to be playing on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> that, just, I, I, that was the first time that I knew I was going to catch myself. Um, I, I theoretically saying that I play on Sunday and that I, you know, am, am happily married and just feel like playing on Sunday. I think I will be happy to be jamming more than 40%. I think that that seems still a little bit low. His boom bust is just going to be out of control. His, his boom percentage is going to be in, insane. You would obviously have him be the first guy in a cash. It'd be him and Najee Harris. And then you figure out the rest of your lineup. But, um, I, I definitely think Dearness Johnson warrants the conversation right from the get go so that we can get that out of the way. A lot of news to break. That's why we have a four-hour live before lock show on Sunday to make sure that if there is any news that we're pending on, waiting on, we can do that. But more than likely, we're going to have that uh, Nick Chubb news come Saturday uh, at the absolute latest. Um, let's go back up to some of these other popular double-digit uh, er, running backs. Excuse me. We've got Jonathan Taylor right now, 8,100 here for him. Jonathan Taylor, the most rushing yards over expectation based on uh, basically on, on all of his runs for the entire season here. I, incredible efficiency that he's having on the ground. Uh, he's just a beast. The guy's an absolute beast. He was at Wisconsin. He was a bell cow there. He's starting to become a, it's so weird that they pay so much money to Naheem Hines. And then it's like, you know what, actually you're just going to be a switch back in, in some of these spots. And Jonathan Taylor's way underpaid. We're, we're looking at a big contract for him, but how do you feel about Jonathan Taylor? Leonard Fournette against Washington with a 30 total. It's nice to see some of these big totals back on the board for this week. Yeah, I, I'm really happy. I think it makes it a little easier in GPPs to find some leverage, assuming we don't have just the spread ownership we did last week. Like you could take a stand on some of these players. And right now we're still in the high own group, but I expect this to shift a little bit. A guy like Leonard Fournette in his price range, I think he offers like nice natural pivot from some of the Cordell Pattersons of the world, assuming they do come in with more ownership. And Fournette's worked well ahead of Ronald Jones. They're, they haven't used really a pass catching back. It's been Fournette, which is fantastic. And the one thing I'll say about him is you might be able to buy low if he comes in a little bit lower owned because Brady has gotten so much of the red zone work. He's just throwing so many raw touchdowns. There's going to be a game this year where Leonard Fournette pops up for two, three scores because Tampa Bay is always scoring among the league leaders. We just don't know when it's going to be. We haven't seen it yet, but there is a monster for net game incoming. I feel the same way about Taylor. He's a little bit more expensive, so I would rather just pay down for Fournette, save the 2K, but you can't argue Taylor in his matchup this week. I mean, you just, you don't really draw him up any better. 10 point favorites over Jacksonville. You can certainly get to him as an expensive rusher. And I think he'll come in much lower owned than the Najee Harris's of the world. Jonathan Taylor just keeps getting it done. It has been an insane run since week four, gotten in the box at least once in every single game, has a receiving touchdown in addition to two multiple touchdown games. I mean, the guy is out of, outrageous. And, you know, I know it was one big play against the Jets down the sideline, that, that massive run that he broke off that got there, but 8,100 against Jacksonville. I don't know what we just saw Buffalo do against Jacksonville, but <laughs> it was not normal, and I'm not expecting that going forward. 
Jonathan Taylor has to be, if he's going to be sub 15%, like we have right now, he's got to be consideration for your direct Najee Harris pivot uh, in a lot of GPPs. No doubt about that. The Leonard Fournette number 6,100 is really, really cheap for him. Oh, and to, to finish up the rushing yards over expected, 259 yards over expectation for Jonathan Taylor. That's most by 70 yards over Nick Chubb. That's almost 159 yards more than uh, James Robinson, who's third on the list. Again, NFL next-gen stats, just so much fun to be spending a day over there. Um, but I, I definitely got to be feeling like Leonard Fournette at 6,100 is another natural play here. Massive team total. He's just progressively gotten all of the work here in this backfield. I know that uh, last time out against the, the Saints, I mean, the Saints are a difficult, difficult matchup to really get it going uh, no matter what. But Ronald Jones, not a thing. Uh, Gio Bernard, not a thing. Leonard Fournette, 6,100, very underpriced for a situation. So I like that a lot. Aaron Jones, James Conner, kind of this next group. Uh, James Conner, I don't know if you saw it, but he went batshit crazy last week. Um, James Conner, 13.7%. Could have probably have the entire backfield in the event that you have no Chase Edmonds. I don't think we're going to have Chase Edmonds, but talk to me kind of about them because Aaron Jones, if you get Aaron Rodgers back, probably in the intriguing spot against Seattle, who has definitely had some massive rushing allotment games uh, going up against them too. I don't think he just fills in one for one, takes all of the backfield work. You know, Benjamin is built a lot like Chase Edmonds. He's a smaller back, good pass catching upside. With that said, he just, he's not Chase Edmonds. He doesn't have the same explosiveness. He didn't test that well from an athletic perspective coming out of college at Arizona State. But James Conner, we know for sure, is going to retain his role, that goal line early, early down role, the short yardage role, and he has upside for more. I'll be really interesting to see where the field views James Conner. If they think he's going to take the full workload, I'll likely fade him and try to get a little bit of Eno Benjamin. But if they still see this as just a direct 50-50 direct timeshare, there's a chance I might take a stand on Connor with the massive implied team total that Arizona has as 10.5-point favorites over Carolina and try to guess that he might receive the whole workload. Again, we, we just don't know what they're going to do. Cliff Kingsbury has not been the most honest coach in his tenure in the NFL, but he did say that Eno Benjamin is going to receive more work. Again, remains to be seen, so I'll be trying to play a little bit of the leverage game and go the other way. For me, what's really nuts was James Conner really getting inserted as a pass catching back in the absence of Chase Edmonds. We saw in his time in Pittsburgh that he could do that, but the five catches, five targets right out of the gate there, uh, when he became like the, the change of pace third down back here as well, uh, you know, I, I think that there's some definite upside still at 6,300 for him there, but it's going to depend on whether or not he gets steamed getting closer there. Carolina. Um, they're not a good football team. Their defense, they definitely had a cake uh, beginning of their season. And I think they've started to be exposed as an entire team. Uh, Sam Darnold, what a fraud. But either way, uh, not that anybody really is going to argue against that. For me, the next two guys are very fascinating as we're kind of looking up in this top tier of ownership. Michael Carter, DeAndre Swift. Michael Carter, it seems like he's going to be able to produce uh, in, in the receiving game here. Coming off of 14 targets and only have two. I mean, I know they made the shift to Johnson there, and I think that's going to be who the starter is going to be Sunday. Correct me if I'm wrong with that, but um, I believe that he's still going to be starting for the Jets. And I, I think that he's fascinating just in terms of trying to get him into space and maybe being able to create some things. But DeAndre Swift against Pittsburgh, 6,800. It is a complete overpay. I'm surprised that he's getting double-digit ownership. I would be very surprised if he had 
double digit ownership and something like the Millie come Sunday with all the great exceptional running back plays you have in Najee Harris. If you get Johnson, I think everybody's ownership is going to come plummeting down, but he's a guy that uh, rushing yards over expectation per attempt dead last among qualifying running backs in the NFL. He should be getting more out of it. Part of it is Detroit is terrible and they're basically just stacking up against him, but He's a freak. And I think I'd be willing at 6,800 to roll out on his talent if he's sub 10%. How about yourself? Yeah, sub 10%. I'm with you. Above 10%, there's just too many good plays. There's Najee Harris, Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott. We haven't talked about some other plays that are right in that price range, like Aaron Jones. And I mean, he's extremely risky. We saw it in the last week without Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams should be back this week. Now you render this more of a timeshare. I mean, he requires a specific game script to get there. Now, Detroit, they are on this game script a lot, but they have to be trailing, but not enough where they're getting absolutely blown out of the game. So it's a really sensitive area to play in. Then you run the risk of Detroit's always playing with such a low implied team total. Their scoring expectation is never there. So DeAndre Swift has a ceiling, but it's a very specific range of outcomes that gets him there. Above 10%, that's not something I like taking shots on. Of course, considering all of the factors in an individual lineup. If you're stacking that game, maybe he gets in there. But otherwise, as a one-off, I think there's a lot of other intriguing options if Swift comes in above 10%. Man, this is the most Devin Singletary talk. And I mean, it's like two or three comments. Are, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, so uh, we could probably just touch on some of the injury situations. Yeah, Zach Moss has a head injury. I believe that's what it is. Correct mm. me if I'm wrong. Is nope, that it? that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Singletary concussion. Would- yeah, and there's a lot of concussions. There's Damian Harris. There's Ramondre Stevenson that would potentially put Brandon Bolden into play. There's a lot of injuries we're waiting on, which could just alleviate some of the Dearness Johnson talk and maybe spread the ownership a little bit down there. We'll see, but we just don't know. But Singletary would be a great play, assuming Zach Moss misses. It's not a team that runs the ball a ton, but they're still 12 and a half point favorites over the Jets' bad run defense. You would have to see opportunity more condensed in New England based out of like necessity. I mean, it would probably be Brandon Bolden and then J.J. Taylor in the past game, assuming no Stevenson, no Damian Harris, they're both hurt. So, I mean, there's interesting, like, scenarios where we have a lot of injury news, but we just need to wait. We just don't have it right now. Uh, Somebody just said, if Chubb is out, uh, is Dearness Johnson a bad tournament play? We just talked about him. He's a phenomenal play in every format period in the event that you get Nick Chubb out. I don't think there's any question about that at 4,700. We, we raised the exercise earlier. What do you think his efficient ownership would be? And Eric and I don't have the answer right now, mm-hmm. but just if you, this reminds me of like the Taysom Hill week last week on Fando where you could play him at tight end and people were just like 70% owned. I'm going to fade him, even though his efficient ownership might've been like 95%. Just yep. because there's a big number doesn't necessarily mean that he's over-owned. There's Correct. situations where they still could be under-owned and that's the question you should be asking yourself. Again, Eric and I don't have all the information right now. It's Wednesday. But think about that when you're thinking through Dearness Johnson this week, assuming no Nick Chubb. Oh, see, I was concerned we wouldn't have enough to say on all of these things that we wouldn't be able to get through, you know, three positions, just you and me going back and forth. But I mean, it's like we're sitting at our local sports bar in Wisconsin or Minnesota or South Dakota, and we're just hashing over our TFS lineup. Shut up, Tyler. Don't do that. I can see you on the bottom of the screen. I can see you. You're, you're mocking me, and I don't appreciate it. All right, we're going to continue on. Well, let's finish this out. Running back position, Dalvin Cook. I'm assuming he's playing Sunday. I, I don't know all this crazy stuff that came out yesterday. Um, you know, I hope he was good. I hope 
that this isn't true, that a lot of this stuff didn't go down the way that it sounds like. But, you know, in the event that he doesn't play, of course, Alexander Madison becomes uh, uh, somebody that you need to be jamming in everywhere. I got to also say my headache, my headache for this week is I want to be able to target a home running back against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that's surrendering a ton. And I mean, a ton of yardage all the way around here on the ground here this season. They've been pretty good the last two weeks, but Chargers with Austin Eckler, um, you know, obviously Justin Herbert is going to be somebody out there. And then Detroit, we're not going to kind of write that one off. But before that, they had failed to keep a team under 100 and uh, 100 yards rushing there through the first six weeks, seven weeks of their season. I don't know what to do with Javante Williams because he's a monster. I want to play him. I don't know what to do with Melvin Gordon, who got 21 carries. I, I want to play him too. Do you have any kind of a preference between those two Denver backs? Because I can't differentiate them. I, the workload's identical. I think Javante, just the spry, explosive, youthful player that he is, Melvin Gordon, the exact opposite. <laughs> That's how I would break that tie. But honestly, if you're, if you're taking a stand and playing a lot of Denver backs, I'd probably split them evenly. Uh, what injury situation I want to just ask you about, because I forgot about this when we talked those backs. Alvin Kamara, they haven't released an injury report yet, but there's little murmurs coming out of new Orleans that he got injured and they actually tried out three backs yesterday, which is usually a bad Ooh. sign in terms of injuries. Would you have interest in Mark or excuse me, Mark Ingram, if Kamara misses? Oh God, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, I saw J I thought you were going to say James Robinson with Carlos Hyde and against the Colts. I'd just be like, no, probably don't want to do it. Even though Carlos Hyde, I think enough, maybe of a passing volume. Also, I had like 15% Carlos Hyde that last week. So I might as well have you know, 15% of him again this week and just chase those losses. But um, yeah, in the event that you have no, I mean, Mark Ingram, he was there forever. I got to at least think that he's got some kind of a rapport with Sean Payton where they would feel most comfortable having him out there for a majority of them. But what can he possibly give you at this point? Like he's going to be, he'll get 15 carries for 60, 65. What's his passing game role going to be? I mean, he's going to have to get into the box. Is he a flat 4k? That'd be the 4. only 5. way that I think 4.5. 4.5 is probably a little too expensive, I would say. And plus, you know, if you get Dearness Johnson, we don't have to have this kind of a conversation. Yeah. I don't even, I wouldn't consider Mike Davis for, you know, the love of God, don't play Mark, uh, Mike Davis down there as well. But I think we'll have enough other running back plays. And I mean, there are some really, really high upside options. The, the chances that a 4,500 Mark Ingram would go 15 for 115 and a touchdown and that would burn you feels relatively small. So just because I think the ceiling is so much lower at his number, I would probably be shying away. How about you? That's my first inclination. I mean, there's a chance that they could still just like pull a running back off the street and use them in some capacity. They could, they could do a lot of things. They could use Taysom Hill more as just a, a rusher, assuming he's all good to go. But it, like you mentioned, I think there's going to be options in, in this 4.5K range, this sub 5K range, we'll call it. We're just not sure who they're going to be yet. But I think we'll have a couple of guys that are available and potentially punts. All right. Anything else for you from the running back position? Because I think that's a pretty nice encompassing job there. Christian McCaffrey, even if he gets that workload to increase, I mean, he did get 14 carries right out of the gate. That's definitely positive. Um, we know the kind of ceiling that can exist you know, but against Arizona, that's probably going to be no for me. I think you can get a higher ceiling for less here at the, at this moment in time, but does anything else kind of uh, intrigue you at the position? I don't think so. I think we hit on all of the players I was considering at this point in the week. All right. Me too. Love it. Another thing that I love Osmo plus tools and content. And right now, 29 95, 
for the weekly pass of that. And it gets better because 25% off if you use promo code NFL first look. That's all caps, one word, NFL first look. Use it on the screen here. Love it. 25% doesn't get any better than that. All you do is activate it in the coupon in the description of this video here below and stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome Plus today. I mean, if you want all of these things that we're referring to, the NFL Boom Bust tool, the NFL Top Stacks tool, which we use all the time, we're going to use at the end of this show here today to discuss some of our favorite tandem stacks, uh, you know, our favorite uh, popular stack, our favorite under-owned stack. I mean, all of it becomes so easy. It's so easy to put together a positive EV lineup with a lineup builder as well. It doesn't get any better than what we have behind the paywall here at Awesome. Now 25% off. Stop guessing. Start winning. All right. To the wide receiver position we go. And this is really, I mean, we talk about uh, having some, some massive ceilings and some great options there on the top end. I don't feel that way this week about the wide receiver position. I think it's pretty gross. If you get Aaron Rodgers back, Devontae Adams, 7,900 is going to be mega, mega, mega chalk and way more than 19.7%. But A.J. Brown there, 7,800 now, that is just a massive number. Obviously, there's no Derrick Henry, and maybe we see some some massive volume in store for A.J. Brown on the horizon. But even Justin Jefferson now, really expensive. Terry McLaurin, yeah, it's a pass funnel against Tampa Bay there, 7,600. I mean, just the most popular guy on the board. Talk to me about Devontae Adams compared to the rest of the wide receiver field. Yeah, he's, he's priced as if Jordan Love is quarterbacking this offense. Prior to, I mean... We've now had two games essentially without premier Devonte Adams, the game he missed. And then the Jordan love game where he's, he still had 14 targets in the game. Jordan love just unable to deliver the ball in any way, shape or form to Adams, which was really tough to see, but assuming Rogers is back, he's just flat out too cheap. And we have a Seattle team on the other side where we're expected to get Russell Wilson back. So this game just has like elite shootout potential between the two offenses. Again, it, we do need both of these quarterbacks to play, but it appears they're both trending in the right direction. So Adams, we know his target share is locked in. He's a feature weapon in the red zone for this team. He's just too cheap based on his projection. So right now, I think for like cash games, he's your easy stud. You just pencil and tentatively assume all those things go right. And then in tournaments, that's where you can have the, the interesting discussion moving forward. A player I really like as a pivot in this expensive range is Stefan Diggs. And this has hurt me a lot of times this year, but Buffalo continues to come in with good implied team totals. They continue to come in with a heavy pass rate, strong offensive metrics, at least from an underlying perspective, but we haven't had the digs eruption game. I like a lot of the players you mentioned like McLaurin, but I, one of these, one of these days, Diggs is going to go back to the 2020 just eruption spots. We saw Do you kind of view it that way too? Or do you think Diggs is just like playing a different role this year? So now we're at the Buffalo Bills portion of the program, and here we go. This is why the Devin Singletary thing, and again, I saw Zach Moss was, was you know, concussion, and I, I, get the, I get the reason that you would want to go to a 4,700 Devin Singletary. But we saw this in week one, given it was against Pittsburgh, completely different matchup, but Zach Moss was a surprise scratch right out of the gate, and it's going to be Josh Allen being able to kind of take the reins of this offense and do whatever he wants. Not that he doesn't have that ability already, but I'm looking at guys like him, Cole Beasley is the second uh, most owned wide receiver we have on the board. And I think that that makes a lot of sense now that his snaps has started to trend back up, uh, whether that's Knox being out, whether that's, you know, a number of these other guys where there's, there's definitely been some, some scripts where they've needed him on the field to 87%, 71% and 67%. The last three weeks, Cole Beasley has been on the field. I think that that's all great and dandy and wonderful, but 
I've never believed that Emmanuel Sanders was going to be a real prominent part of this offense. And I truly think it is only a matter of time before Stefan Diggs has the game. I, I didn't even really necessarily love him last week on FanDuel. I loved him because his price was so egregious, but on DK looking at him at 7,500, 400 less than Adams. If you get Aaron Rodgers in, you're going to see that Adams ownership take off to the moon. And I think that's really where you want to be coming in way over on a guy like Stefan Diggs, especially getting no Zach Moss out there. I mean, Devin Singletary, I very highly doubt he's never been the guy that they've wanted to give 10, 15 carries to. I think it would only bode even further and better for a guy like uh, like Josh Allen to just go completely nuts, coming off of an absolutely abysmal loss to Jacksonville and now playing a putrid Jets team. So um, I'm right there with you. I think Stefan Diggs, probably my favorite tournament wide receiver as of Wednesday morning here, no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think we just need to see where this ownership closes. We're projecting him for some right now. I think it's probably a little high, but that remains to be seen. Otherwise, in that expensive range, a lot of times I'm just trying to stack these guys. So whoever your, your quarterback may be, if you end up with like a lot of Tom Brady, Godwin makes sense. He's, yeah. he's above that 7K margin. I think you could say the same with A.J. Brown. That game environment just leaves a little bit to be desired. The overall total in that game is much lower compared to some other ones sitting at 44 and a half, whereas like in the Green Bay game, you have a total at 49, which may climb with positive Rodgers or Wilson news. In the, the Buffalo game, the total's not super high. It's 47 and a half, but Buffalo's individual team total is really high. So with a player like A.J. Brown, there's just situations I like a little more, assuming his ownership stays where it is right around 10%. But anyone else you're interested in in the, in the really expensive tier, there's not a ton of players here. It's basically Adams, Diggs, and then I find myself paying down a little bit into the mid-sixes. Yeah, I find myself playing Keenan Allen every single week. Uh, everybody knows, I think, that I'm a, a diehard Viking fan, but I'm also, because of money, a diehard Chargers fan this season. By far, my largest stand was betting them to win. Um, uh, to Well, I mean, I bet them to win the Super Bowl, bet them to win the AFC, bet them to win uh, the AFC West. I mean, I've, I'm completely all in on the Chargers this season, and Keenan Allen is a big reason why. Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, all of those guys here – Mike Williams, I will say, is kind of fascinating because he. We were talking a little bit about the uh, about this before the show, but now down to sixty six hundred, kind of flip flopping price tags there with Keenan Allen. You're looking at a spot where Mike Williams, yeah, the last three weeks sub ten, been abysmal, but you see some of these sixteen, ten, twelve target games, thirty nine and a half, thirty six point two DK points. I mean, he's definitely been brutal the last couple of weeks, but. In tournaments, that's not really any of my concern what his floor is. I'm basically trying to isolate ceilings at low ownership. And at 6% in a game environment with 52.5 total here in Los Angeles, going up against the Vikings, which again, they've just kind of lead, they, they lead to shootout after shootout this season. I really like the Chargers passing offense. How about you? Yeah, I like the Chargers passing offense on a week-to-week basis. And kind of just by default, if you like Herbert, you're playing Herbert, you should be playing some Mike Williams, just the explosive nature of this offense. And that's assuming you have Chargers stacks. It's like Tampa Bay to a degree where you just want pieces of that receiving room. It's not a Green Bay situation where Devonta Adams is just the lone target alpha, but that's not always necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes that drives ownership down. People don't like to predict who the pass catcher is going to be that's going to receive the work. But if you're playing multiple lineups or you're just taking shots on a week-to-week basis, those are the players I like targeting, the players that have the immense upside. And positively with Williams, we've seen it this year already. It's it's not a shot in the dark like a Sammy Watkins on Kansas City last last year 
we've already seen it with Williams. Yep. Love it. All right. More popular wide receivers here that are getting double digit ownership here at the moment. We touched on uh, every Deontay Johnson. That makes sense. I guess just in terms of he's going to be the most targeted wide receiver week in week out more than likely Uh, coming off a disappointing game against Chicago. There Uh, didn't help anybody in showdown. That's for sure. Amari Cooper, 12.7% at 6,200. That tag is still not really competent, even though (laughs) he goes off of 5.7 DK points and he only gets a, $500 $500 bump in salary. Um, that's kind of strange to me. Godwin, we talked about Michael Pittman, 11.5%. This is a guy that I kind of find myself gravitating towards. I really like, um, you know, I, I think maybe the public perception of Jacksonville wasn't completely accurate. I mean, they're a terrible football team, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, I'm in love with Michael Pittman. I'm going to be in love with this week here too. I think just getting exposure to Indianapolis coming off of Jacksonville playing their by far best game of the season Maybe maybe some recency bias for other people, but uh, 11.5% for a guy here at 6,300. How do you kind of stack him up next to Amari Cooper, who's you know $100 less, Tyler Lockett, who's $200 more and getting Russell Wilson back, and DJ Moore at the identical number? This is a range, I think, where we're going to have to see how ownership shakes out. I think Pittman, he could have a chance to come in a little over-owned based on the game we saw from him two weeks ago where he was just the straight alpha, and he still could be that. But you also run the risk of Indianapolis just getting way up in this game and riding Jonathan Taylor, maybe Naheem Hines if they're up by a huge margin, where some of these other players, I think, have a little more safety built in compared to Michael Pittman. Your like Dallas receivers, especially after their terrible game last week, if they don't come in with a lot of ownership, that is, that's all contingent on this. Like You could take a shot on Amari Cooper in a game that has a near 55-point total, which I feel a lot better about. Or, I mean, there's other contrarian options like you mentioned Lockett perhaps people don't go back to the Seattle passing attack I think this is a little bit dependent on Russell Wilson status but we've already seen the explosiveness from Lockett and Metcalf in the same range so again I'm going to be watching ownership like a hawk this week because I have a feeling they're all going to end up in the same projection range and then who fits better with your stacks who comes in with lower ownership that's going to be the key for me in this spot but right now eyeing Lockett assuming Wilson comes back and taking a longer look at Amari again. Yeah, it's it, they're priced to not have him. <laughs> they're priced to have Geno Smith out there for sure. Uh, Chris Carson still dinged up. Alex Collins ain't it. Uh, definitely like Tyler Lockett. Definitely like DK Metcalf. That Seattle Green Bay game, uh, depending on how all the news breaks, it could be it could be gigantically chalk on Sunday. Uh, 49 and a half total here right now doesn't look that appealing, but I'm not sure if that price is in uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation the way uh, that it would if we knew that he was automatically going to be playing here. Let's make our way down to some of these lower owned wide receivers. Obviously, if I like this Minnesota Chargers game and that game environment, Adam Thielen, just a touchdown hog here for the most part for this team, now scored in three straight, uh, still disappointing, had like no way dot six yards last week. What are we doing here? Um, but Justin Jefferson as well in that same spot, much more expensive though, of course, Mike Williams talked about him as well. Uh, who's kind of standing out to you that isn't as represented at the moment. I, we're, I was really interested to see like some of these Tampa Bay receivers coming in as low owned as they are. And I think a lot of it has to do with we're projecting Antonio Brown in, and I think he will be, but like the Mike, Ab- or excuse me, like the situation we just talked about with Los Angeles. It's a spot where Tampa Bay, they're passing the ball at an extremely heavy rate, and they're doing so in the red zone. You have them implied for a 30-point team total. Still, Washington's defense has not lived up to expectations this year. So even if it's like Antonio Brown or Mike Evans at 6,900, these are players I want stacks of. 
especially if I'm playing Tom Brady. And you could say the same thing about mm-hmm. God when he's a little more expensive. Antonio Brown is the guy that's sitting in this mid like 6K range, the cheaper 6K range where I have a lot of interest in him. And like for tournament plays as well, we talked about how own Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley project to be right now in the Bills offense. Emmanuel Sanders comes in at a fraction of that. Again, Beasley's played a much larger role of late and Beasley's cheaper than Sanders. But just talking about from a strict leverage perspective, for those of you taking stacks of Buffalo, again, another massive team total for Buffalo this week. Sanders makes a lot of sense for me in tournaments for that reason. Oh, I, I get it. I mean, he definitely had a nice string of games there in the middle of the season, but never been a target hog. Not that I'm just identifying target hogs, but, you know, hasn't exceeded eight targets in a game this entire season here. Um, I, I do expect if you have no Zach Moss, though, that that passing expectation is going to be sky high. And I think having exposure to anybody wearing a Buffalo Bills uniform is probably pretty viable. Yes, even Devin Singletary for sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> not that I would love that play because I don't know how you could possibly love Devin Singletary from what you've seen, period. And obviously the Bills didn't either. They drafted that Utah prospect, Zach Moss, pretty early. So just saying. Um, rest of this range, Marquez Calloway, no. Uh, Russell Gage, no. Corey Davis at the 5K range, no. We got to start saving money somewhere. And it looks like a lot of people are gravitating towards Jacoby Myers, 4,800 for a guy who is immune, um, just completely immune from getting touchdowns. Just it's impossible for him to do such things. Donovan Peoples-Jones coming off of three straight massive games that he's appeared, which is kind of crazy to see all big play threat. You know, I talked about that Baker Mayfield, uh, the what, 66.4 yards uh, for that completion through air yards. That was to Donovan Peoples-Jones, of course. So uh, keep that in mind, somebody that can get there, but uh, one percenter. I don't see a whole lot of value here on the wide receiver board as of right now. Do you see anybody sub 5K that you're like, yes, he's a good play? Not anybody that I feel, you know, like fantastic about. Last week, I thought Rondale Moore was somewhat safe in this range. But I mean, we're talking about our highest owned player in this range being Jacoby Myers. And like Jacoby Myers has projected well for us on numerous occasions. He's a solid target share in this offense. They're just not explosive. They don't have a high scoring expectation. So he's a really tough player to get to. Outside of him, I think Van Jefferson, excuse me, he's on a primetime slate. AJ Green right above him. He's the next best projected wide receiver in this range, assuming he comes off COVID, which is a like, these are big risks below 5K. And we're talking about players that are just slightly below 5K too. It's not like we're in the 3K range. Right now, we don't have any of those players. So I, I think saving money at other positions is going to be key unless we get some injury news or something like that. Because right now they just don't project well. So I think maybe like, Picking one of the studs, a Devontae Adams, and then moving forward with like mid-price receivers and trying to get there with cheaper backs or a cheaper tight end is the build currently. There just isn't a lot projecting well down here at this point. Is there a more disappointing wide receiver in the history of humanity than Robbie Anderson in the year of our Lord 2021? There, there is not, man. He okay. is unbelievably disappointing. There are no words. I can't Rondale even think Moore. of a, is he Go the ahead. AJ Green of last year? Like, who do we compare him to? I mean, it was, yeah, A.J. Green, the middle of his career renaissance here in 2021, and Robbie Anderson, the opposite. Robbie Anderson got paid, and now Robbie Anderson is getting laid, and now Robbie Anderson doesn't care about football, or something is going on. Maybe Sam Darnold throwing a football? Probably not good either. Like, the, nor- the normal punt plays we would talk about are priced up. Like, Russell Gage went up to 5K. I, I'd like a player in, let's say, 
Khalif Raymond, who we might consider the number one for Detroit. He's at 4.9K. Mm-hmm. Like all of these guys received a price increase. Like Elijah Moore is 4,700. These guys are all really risky to begin with. And now they received the price increase, which is just too close to the mid price range to really take a stand on any of these like dark throw wide receiver threes. I think that's why we're going to see Cole Beasley, Jarvis Landry, Jerry Judy. I think this 5K range gets really steamed come Sunday. I, I Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so too, especially like the Beasleys. It makes way too much sense on this slate. Anything else from wide receiver? I think that that was a pretty in-depth, encompassing job of looking at the board on a Wednesday. I think that's that's just about it. I think there's some really interesting like tournament plays okay. that, we, that we haven't talked about it in like some pretty good game environments overall. And like the Donovan Peoples-Jones thing, getting there on three targets, he's not somebody I want to no. play. But like you could go up and play C.D. Lamb. I think he's a nice tournament play, a bounce back spot. Somebody that we haven't talked about a ton here. You could always go back and play like a Devontae Smith after he let some people down. It's not a good game environment, but he's still paired with a quarterback who's mobile. Devonta Smith did not let anybody down last week. Um, what did he finish with? 26 and a half. That's actually pretty good on last week. So 25.6. There we go. I just clicked on it. I thought right, it was like well, 26. Excuse me on Devonte Smith then. Yeah. Duh. But you yeah, can yeah, play yeah. him. Heisman slander over there. None of that. Heisman None of that slander. out of you. Yeah. I mean, I just think if you're correlating with your quarterback, there's interesting things you could do like that. I definitely agree with you. It's, it's going to be fascinating. I think wide receiver is very tough compared to running back i think running back there are almost too many options i think wide receiver too few of them but if you get the salary savings from a guy like dearness johnson devin singletary it could be a really fun stars and scrubs kind of slate but we're going to talk some prize picks here quick before we get to tight end then we'll do top stacks then we'll get out of here but going over to prize picks one of the best cleanest interfaces you're ever going to find on any dfs site you can go to the website you can get the app in the app store on google play wherever you get your apps from. But prize picks, you basically pick two, three, four, or five players in a multitude of sports. And when I say multitude, cricket is listed today. Yes, you could get David Warner over under 22 and a half runs in cricket. Yeah, I just threw that out there. I, I don't want to be playing that one whatsoever. You have women's, women's college basketball. You have PGA stuff posted. They post those on Wednesdays. I'm excited to go through some of those. I think that there might be some plays to find out of there. NHL, if you want to be going that direction, Uh, I've been definitely taking some unders on points and goals or over on points in certain spots. You basically can compare it to other sports books, find some edges here and there over on prize picks. But unlike traditional sports books, they have these five, uh, five play flex plays where you can get four of five or three of five and still get paid out money. So three of five, you're not getting your full money back. I believe it's right around half or 0.4 X that you're getting back. But four out of five, you're still turning over a two X profit. That just helps to be able to be a little bit more sustainable in betting props and checking out some of these. So uh, I'm looking at a couple on the NFL board for Sunday. Twenty-two, uh, Lamar Jackson, two and a half touchdowns. I'll take less than. As much as I love Lamar Jackson and think he is extremely capable of making me feel like a dunce in that spot against Miami for Thursday night, I think Lamar Jackson, two and a half touchdowns is a large expectation for him to be throwing the ball around the yard. I definitely think that there's a number of guys, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's, you know, uh, Devonta Freeman, they can definitely get some touches there. Is there anything that you're seeing on prize picks for, uh, for NFL here? Because again, this is an NFL show. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Two and a half projected touchdowns for any quarterback is a lot, even like a Patrick Mahomes. So I'm with you there. One I think you could still buy low on is Najee Harris, a guy we've talked about a ton so far. 
His prop is 85 and a half, which seems pretty high. But when you're playing Detroit and you're the only back that receives touches in the backfield, you could get there in a number of ways. One, through just pure efficiency, and two, from volume alone, which we're already projecting from Najee Harris. So that's one I'll go with. All right. And thank you so much to Prize Picks for their sponsorship. I think on NBA today, we're going to be doing a, a look into some more Prize Picks stuff. Really excited to be talking about them. People have been hitting me up on Twitter in the premium Discord. Everybody wants to know about this site. Everybody's playing at this site. I think you guys should too. And right now, first deposit, up to $100 match deposit bonus with the promo code Osmo. So get that free $100 in your account. Start using that because that's how you build and sustain and increase your bankroll. Check it out. And thank you again so much to Prize Picks for their sponsorship. All righty, let's do the tight end position here. We don't have uh, Travis Kelsey. We don't even have George Kittle here available, who, by the way, played a lot better than I expected to uh, expected him to right out of the gate. We should have maybe factored in that he's just a crazy person uh, and that he's he's somebody that could just, you know, go out immediately after being hurt and, and basically put up a big week. And I digress. Doesn't matter. But you're looking at Kyle Pitts at fifty eight hundred being your most expensive tight end on the board. It's going to be a punt by default kind of a week here at tight end. TJ Hawkinson next on the board here. Dalton Schultz, who was really disappointing to me. He still put up, what, 9.4, so it wasn't apocalyptic, but wasn't good either. And then Dallas Goddard, 12.2%. It's pretty spread out amongst this entire position right now, with Goddard and Pitts being the most uh, most prioritized here at the moment. Only one's getting double-digit ownership other than Jared Cook, who I think makes a great play at 3,200. But talk to me about the top end of tight end. Yeah, I think only Kyle Pitts has that sort of upside consistently in the Travis Kelsey tier, in the Darren Waller tier. And he's coming at a little bit of a discount. And I think part of that is just coming off two bad games. Prior to that, he had two games above 100 yards. So Kyle Pitts certainly has the requisite upside, and he's in the game environment to potentially target. With that said, you and I talked about how tight pricing it is on the slate at this point, unless we get some of those running back punts. So you might be looking at cheap tight ends just by default. And there's a lot of really good options down there. Again, tight end is really spread this week. So I, I think in cash game formats, you just play the projected optimals. And then in tournaments, you're really looking to potentially correlate these guys with your quarterback or correlate with whatever stack you're running. Like a Dan Arnold works really well if you're playing like a Michael Pittman stack or Carson Wentz stack. Jared Cook could fit in with either Kirk Cousins or Justin Herbert. So there's a lot of ways to do this. I do think there are some interesting contrarian spots that maybe could have some upside this week. But ultimately, the most owned tight ends right now, I think, are there for a reason with your Goddard, your Pitts, your Cook, and your, your Dan Arnold, who continues to get their base solely on garbage time. How about Pat Fryermuth, Penn State's finest over there, uh, just continuing to, to lead the charge here now. Six-plus targets in three straight games in the absence of Eric Ebron. Uh, looks like a, a dude that we can probably be relying on for some volume here. Still sub-4K, going up against Detroit. I mean, if you're looking for some leverage off of Najee Harris, where you're just kind of hoping that he's not going to be getting the goal line touches and ends up being a Ben Roethlisberger rollout to Pat Fryermuth, I mean, that that looks like kind of a guy in tournament sub 10% that I would have a lot of interest in. Yeah, I like Fryermuth too. I think he's just a little more expensive than some of the other guys, but they lost Chase Claypool too. We're, we're waiting for like the true status of that injury, but that's potentially just another player off the field that elevates the opportunity for Fryermuth. So I like him a lot too. Pittsburgh's going to score against Detroit. You're just trying to pick who it is. I think Najee's most likely. But if Big Ben's throwing some scores, Fryermuth, he continues to ascend without Juju Smith-Schuster, without Claypool now. And again, we'll see how bad that is. 
But there, there's some cheaper options too. I mean, if Dawson Knox misses the game, Tommy Sweeney is another one of your potential pivots. They're playing the Jets again. We've talked at length about the Bills pass catchers. None of them have gotten there in recent weeks, and you're just not going to get there when you lose nine to six against the Jaguars. But Sweeney, still a potential punt play awaiting the status of Knox. That's somebody else I would look to is just a cheap punt. Tommy Sweeney, 82% and 87% of snaps the last two weeks. It's hard to get that allotment of snaps and still in a, a pass-happy offense to fail. Obviously, that entire game was a failure for Buffalo. I'm going to write it off. I'm going to pretend like it never happened. You do not exist, game. That did not happen. I'm going to probably go to a lot of Tommy Sweeney, 2,600, just the absolute basement. Of course, Jordan Lockhart comes in with a drive-by shooting of $20, just throws it into chat and leaves, doesn't want to say anything, doesn't want us to read anything. It's just, oh, I'm Jordan Lockhart. I'm dominating DFS. Here's 20 bucks. My guy, thank you so much. Very appreciative of that. And again, just keep doing what you're doing. You're crushing the world. All right. Uh, rounding it all out here. I mean, Albert O coming off of last week, uh, you know, four of five, you know, he caught four of his five targets, 25 yards, nothing special there, but now he's up to 3,300. I'd probably prefer going to Sweeney if I'm going to punt with anybody there at 2,600. So a little bit of a different play there uh, with, uh, with Noah Fant probably still going to be out here with COVID, but uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he gets back here. I'm, I'm not positive. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But anything else for you at the tight end position? Because it's not really anything of note for me. Yeah, I, I don't think so. There's always your like cheap tight ends that play a decent amount that don't really have a strong pass game role, like your Conklin's. He's 3,400. That's basically how I view the rest of the position. They're just like dart throws that you might correlate with your quarterback if you end up playing them, the Hunter Henrys of the world but nobody that projects fantastic in this range. I, Zach Ertz is somewhat interesting, but even he's a little more expensive. I think if you're playing Ertz at 4,600, most people are just going to come up and play Dalton Schultz or like, I don't know, a Dallas Goddard, but even Ertz, he's somewhat dependent on the Kyler news. Again, that's, that's mm -hmm. a huge, a huge key for this week is we're just waiting on so much news. Yeah. A lot of injuries going to happen. We have a lot of content. Obviously we're going to get the game by game breakdown. We're going to get all of that. Uh, I know Lafayette will be back for that one. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be back with Matt Savoca, breaking everything down for you guys. Then Friday, you get the contrarian show. You get you get base, uh, on the contrary. I'm looking forward to that. I look forward to that every single week, always with a, a great guest analyst stepping in. Uh, we had Pete Overzet last week. We've had, uh, you know, BK Ryder. We've had so many guys that have stepped in and, and done an amazing job here uh, at Osmo. So I uh, really appreciate all those guests coming in for Friday. So those always make for great shows. We have the top stack show, which is Greg, uh, Neil Orfield. They do such a nice job on Saturdays as well. And of course, four hours of content leading you guys up till Sunday. So check out everything we have for NFL, tons of news to come, but as of right now, I think that that is the best we can break down those three core positions. Looking forward to Sunday. Let's close this out. Like we always do. We go to the top stacks tool. We find our favorite points of leverage and right from the get-go over on DK, we've got Buffalo at the top of the top stacks tool. That's not going to shock anybody. They're not 25% favorites to win the entire week like they were last week, but 17.4%, still a solid number there. Dallas up against Atlanta, 12% for them. Tampa Bay, 11.8%. And, and the Chargers, for all intents and purposes, 10%. Those are your top four as of right now. I don't think any of those are going to be shocking anybody, but what is shocking to me is all four of them are currently receiving positive leverage. If that maintains, I think they all make for great game stacks. Who are you looking to? Give me your favorite chalk stack and your favorite contrarian stack here to round everything out. 
Ooh, okay. So I let's I, let's start with the let's start with the chalk stack, and then I'll do mine, and we'll go back and forth for the contrarian one. Yeah, chalk stack for me is going to be Buffalo. We talked at length about them, and I want to highlight one thing you said. They're still coming in with positive leverage, even mm-hmm. though they're drawing some ownership. So this is another one of those situations that we talked about with Adir and Johnson, where you need to consider what is the optimal ownership, and that's why we have these tools at Osmo, where maybe maybe it's really hard to like decipher this in your head, which is why this tops the top stack tool is so beneficial. And even going back to last year, I remember I used to write the top stacks article for Osmo, and every single year Kansas City's popping. And Patrick Mahomes is drawing ownership. But at the same time, they were still coming in with positive leverage every single week, just speaking of how profitable this tool can possibly be. I'm still on Buffalo. There's really interesting ways to stack them up and remain contrarian using your Tommy Sweeney's, your Emmanuel Sanders. So it's not that you just have to eat the stack, Allen to Beasley overall. You can do this in many different ways. So I'll stick with Buffalo. I'll go to Tampa Bay. I'll go to Tom Brady, uh, the favorite to win MVP currently right now in uh, pretty much every single book around the entire industry period coming off of back-to-back four touchdown performances tom brady is godwin evans you're getting gronk uh he's got the q mark he he didn't practice wednesday i bet he'll be back out there but uh for me it's such a concentrated target share that you're looking at with godwin and evans then for the washington side this noted pass funnel that we're looking at from tampa bay on the other side Brings back some easy runbacks. Terry McLaurin, for sure. Ricky Seals-Jones makes a lot of sense, too, as a, as a flyer if you're looking to do some of that. But for sure, the McLaurin play coming back with it. So I, I really like that you're getting some positive leverage going there. There's been so many of these massive performances, even in games. And they lost to New Orleans. He still just went nuts. So I like Tom Brady a lot, pretty much all the time. The most leveraged quarterback, most leveraged stack that you have, period, on the board. Uh, and I mean, the Chargers, Minnesota people know that I'm obsessed with that one. So I didn't want to go there. Give me your contrarian. Oh, I'll give you the contrarian one. And then I will let you round out this entire show. For me, it's going to be disgusting. But we're going to go to Tennessee again against New Orleans. You don't have Derrick Henry there. And I understand New Orleans has a very formidable defense. But right now, 2.2% ownership that you're getting on a guy like Ryan Tannehill. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones has been disappointing. I expect him to be a little bit more serviceable here. A number of cheap tight ends that you can rotate through to get a little bit different, whether it's Ferks or whether it's Swain, whether it's Pruitt. I think I named all three tight ends that exist and you know have heartbeats for Tennessee there. But I think that they make a lot of sense. You can kind of lower some of that uh, total uh, roster ship, some of that total salary by going to Tannehill. 6,200 also has some wheels upside. Somebody that I expect to maybe have a little bit more uh, rushing touchdown upside in the absence of Derrick Henry. So give me Tennessee. How about your contrarian stack? I am going with Seattle. And I think this Ooh. is going to be entirely dependent on Russell Wilson, of course. But right now, we're not projecting a lot of ownership. And that game environment, I think, will spike up a little bit, even from where it's at now with the 49-point total. Again, this is one of those situations where we have really good stacks on the board. And this one might go underlooked, especially if this news comes out late in the week, like if it takes Rodgers some time to pass COVID protocols. And then Russell Wilson, like he needs to show positive reports and practice to get out there too. So I'm going to go with Seattle. There's clear stacking options with Lockett and Metcalf, who are both underpriced prices if Geno Smith is starting. Really good week to take a look at them. All right, guys. Well, 
We did it. We did it. We missed Luffy big time. It's always a blast having him alongside. I like the three-man booth, but I'd say we did a pretty serviceable job. Nice hanging out with my buddy, Matt Kajewski here. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy college basketball projection time, uh, your tuna eating time, your four loco time to be able to get on stream with us and hang out. I know you weren't watching any movies. Uh, that's for sure. I think everybody loved that last week. Two movies in five years. What an absolute crazy person. But hey, any final words for the people, my guy? No, thank you guys all for being here. Appreciate you all joining in early on a Wednesday morning. I know it's early for you too on the West Coast, but appreciate you all having here. Love doing this. I wake up with energy, baby. I'm ready to go. I'm going to head over to the gym, try to get skinny in one day. Best of luck to me on that endeavor. But Jock Market, they have a show coming up here uh, with Adam Kaufman, Jeff. Uh, that's coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Then we have a strategy show, Aton and Greg, starting at 4 p.m. But NBA Deeper Dive. That's really what's going to kick it off for 45 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be Alex. That's going to be Adam. Looking forward to that. NBA Live Before Lock. That's going to be me and Greg. We're going to be breaking down everything for the NBA 13-game NBA slate. I'm already tired. I was trying to research it this morning. It didn't go well. And then PJ Live Before Lock. I will be on once more with my buddy Ben Rossa, your counterpart in, uh, in the college basketball and college football streets. He's Matt Kajewski. He loves tuna. I'm Eric. I do not. We'll see you later.